This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A Athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country, powered by Backcourt Marketing. Eric Cohen and Shane Dale, and for once, Shane, we don't have any basketball to talk about as far as games that are either about to be played or were played last week. It's kind of a weird feeling, you know? Well, Tommy Lloyd did make a appearance at the Final Four, but unfortunately, it was not with the rest of his team. He was honored as the Coach of the Year. He was pretty much a consensus Coach of the Year, as far as I know. He won it with three different organizations, so congratulations to him. But uh, yeah, it would have been nice to see uh, to see Arizona there, especially considering they probably would have beaten, and I would say at least three of the teams that were in the Final Four. You know that we will probably discuss that later in the probably. program. But first, let me uh, preview what's coming up here on uh, this show. First of all, we have Yogi Roth, our buddy from the Pac-12 Network. He is the lead football analyst, and he'll be covering Arizona's spring game this weekend. So Shane and I will get a chance to talk to him and find out his thoughts on the rebuilding effort, to say the least, at Arizona. It's just uh, really exciting to see what this team is going to look like in 2022. And then uh, All-American catcher Daniel Susak, who is going to be a first-round pick in the uh, upcoming MLB draft this summer. He's going to join us. His numbers are out of this world even though the Wildcats are coming off a loss to ASU on Tuesday night, we're going to talk about uh, their success and uh, what we expect from them. But first, for, for the real quick, Eric, for the, yeah. for those who don't follow the baseball team too closely, Daniel Susak staying with Arizona despite the coaching change is, I would say, the equivalent to Ben Matherin staying with Arizona mm-hmm. when the, the coaching change happened there. Big uh, decision for him to uh, to to stay with the Wildcats uh, when Jay Johnson left, and we'll definitely talk to him about that. Yeah, that's because uh, Jacob Berry uh, decided to follow Jay Johnson to LSU, but Daniel Susak uh, stuck to his guns, and we have to appreciate that. So we'll talk to him later in the show. But first, it is Buy or Sell presented by Ice Shaker. And Shane, you and I, if you're watching the video feed, we have our Ice Shakers, and uh, these are pretty awesome. Go to iceshaker.com. You can buy one of these. and We have the special Wildcat Country one, which you can mm. find, and you can get $5 off using the coupon code WILDCATCOUNTRY. Capital W, capital C. Pretty easy, right? Easy peasy. All right. So we're going to go, we're going to hit a multitude of sports in this buy or sell. So uh, number one, in the early, in the way too early 2023 rankings, okay, you've got uh, ESPN has Arizona at number 10 for men's basketball. And our buddy Aaron Torres in his personal rankings has them number five. Which one are you buying and which one are you selling? Uh, It's you want a better answer than I can't say right now. So I'll try to give you something because okay. we don't know who's yeah. going to come back. Uh, I would put them more closely to the 10 just because I think Ben Matherin is um, Ben Matherin's like 99.9% chance he's gone. Yep. And probably at least one other guy, whether it's Christian Coloco or, or Dalen Terry, or as Jeff Porzillo at ESPN calls him Jalen Terry. Mm. Uh, yeah. We don't talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably someone else is going to go as well. Um, and now I'm, I have complete confidence in Tommy Lloyd and this staff to replenish that roster. Um, and I'm guessing more so on the side of, of uh, transfers who can play immediately. Uh, and I, I think they'll do a very good job of that, but we just don't know yet. So I'm erring on the side of caution. I will say they will be a borderline top 10 team going into next season. Top five, we'll have to see. 
All right. You know me. I'm the ultra optimist here. This is a top five team next year, assuming assuming that Arizona only loses one of those two players, because I believe that Tommy Lloyd will replenish. He'll, he'll bring in a couple of transfers. Arizona is going to be really, really good. Aaron Torres knows his stuff. He's unbiased. You never know with the ESPN article. Let's be honest. Well, I'll, I'll just say this, though. You just never know what transfers. You never know how they're going to mesh with the team. You never know were they really that good because they're on the last team. I think about the women's basketball team and you know, Adia Barnes landed some very impressive looking transfers. None of them cracked the um, the starting lineup. So you just have to be careful with that. I do think he'll do very well, but you never know how if they're going to be guys who you know are, are going to play 30 minutes a game. You never know if they're going to disrupt the chemistry of this team. So it's hard to say. All right. So here's why I'm confident in Tommy Lloyd though, Shane. Look at the three guys that he brought in immediately. He brought in uh, Justin Kyer from Georgia. He brought in Umar Balo and Adama Ball. Now, we didn't see much from Adama until the end of the season, but it seems there's something to work with there going forward. Balo was a yeah. key contributor, and so was Kyer. So I'm confident that Tommy Lloyd knows what to look for and will bring in the right guys, whoever they are. This sounds really simplistic, but I think that it, what Arizona was missing, especially in the tournament, was just a, a pure shooter, a guy who could just knock down threes, bail them. I mean, Ben Matherin bailed Arizona out with a big three against uh, TCU, but you know whether it's going to be Pella Larson next season, maybe he can take that step, Adama Ball, who Tommy Lloyd has raved about, or a transfer. They need a guy who can just who can shoot 40% from three and, and can knock them down, especially in crunch time. And I think maybe that was one of the few things they were missing last season. All right. So uh, let's go to number two of buy or sell right on that point. If you were Tommy Lloyd, your offseason priorities would be a veteran point guard to challenge Kirk Risa for the starting job, a true scorer to replace Ben Matherin, and another big man just in case. As of right now, that would be your list if you were Tommy Lloyd, not knowing what Coloco and Terry are going to do. Is that an accurate list in addition to what you had just mentioned as far as a a, a big three-point shooter? Well, you mentioned the pure shooter. So I think, yeah, that's one of the three. Uh, absolutely. I'll buy that. I, I think that, that the number one priority is the shooter. I, I think Kirk Kreese is going to be fine. I think, yeah, I, I know he drove us nuts. I know he did, but guy led the Pac-12 in assists, or at least he was top toward the top in assists. I think he, I think he actually led the Pac-12 in assists. He had about five a game. And he wasn't a great shooter overall last season, but he was a clutch shooter. And I expect his shooting to improve. So, you know, certainly I, I wouldn't mind someone challenging Kirk Creaser for that job, but I, I'd be fine with him uh, at, at the point guard position next season. Uh, certainly adding another big man. They do have Dylan Anderson coming coming out as a, as a their only commit, high school commit as of now as a, as a power forward. Uh, but yeah, I think that they, they need a shooter. We saw that in the final four, guys who could make, uh, you know, make three-point pointers in, in, in timely situations, especially when you just have a bad possession and you need someone to bail you out. Sometimes you need that guy and Arizona just didn't have that guy this past season. You know, you saw that the step that Ben Matherin made from his freshman year to his sophomore year. I really think we're going to see guys that the two guys that make the loop and Coloco as well, who really improved over the last year, two guys that I really think are going to, are going to step up next year are Pella Larson and uh, Dale and Terry. I think Dale and Terry will be an All-American next year if he stays. Oh, really? I think, yeah, I really, I'm, I'm going to say that. An All-American. Okay. Yep. I think he's that good. Uh, and I think uh, Pella Larson will be a will be All-Pac-12 uh, if, if they, you know, Larson will stay. So you get one other guy that can score 15 points a game in the, in the portal. Mm -hmm. I think you're looking at a top five team easily. I think Pella Larson is capable of being an All-Pac-12 guy. I don't know what's going to happen as soon as next season. But I see that potential in him. And you saw what you know, Tommy Lloyd, he was typically – on on the court for Tommy Lloyd in late game situations, whether it was for defense or free throw shooting or a combination thereof, he trusted Pell Larson in late situations. And I think that experience is going to help. And I, I think you're going to see more of him 
uh, next season, and maybe he'll maybe he'll be that 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 shooter that Arizona. Needs. I think he will be Shane, maybe. and I was just going to say that I think he's your forty percent guy. I mean, he was rock solid. I don't know his three point percentage offhand, but he was guy was rock solid, and he got better as the season went along, which was very encouraging. And I would say he's a clutch player too. I mean, he yep. was not the guy who had a ball in his hands typically, but with the free throw line he did, and yep. he would knock him down. And don't discount how important that is. Not every guy can go out there in in, in those pressure situations and knock down those free throws, even if you're a great free throw shooter in general, like he was, he played some great defense. So I, I think it's reasonable to expect big things from him. I don't know if he's an all pack 12 guy as soon as next season, but I would love to see it, obviously making a bold prediction early, but let's see who Arizona brings in. And that will be fun to discuss here in the future episodes on wildcat country who's coming in and we'll get some uh, feedback once those uh, transfers are, are uh, brought in. And all right, number three uh, for the women's side, they did a, a, a preseason top 25 Arizona came in at number 12. I'm going to say that that's too low. Would you buy or sell that? I'll buy that because the, because of the people they have coming back with mm-hmm. Kate Reese and Shayna Pellington specifically. Shayna Pellington in particular showed flashes of brilliance last yeah. season. You know, yep. she, and, and she wasn't a consistent you know 20 30 point scorer like Ari McDonald was, but she had those games, and you could see that that you know I think her experience in the Olympics definitely paid off. Kate Reese, I think Kate Reese, you know, she led the team in scoring. I think she's. She just needs uh, a compliment there. You know, she needs some uh, someone to sort of take some of the pressure off of her, uh, whether it's Shayna or, uh, you know, transfers or they, ha- you know, they have three top 50 players, four top 100 players coming in next season. Yeah, I think number 12 was too low. I think this is going to be a perennial top 10 team. I would even argue, Eric, that Adia Barnes's coaching job this past season, even though it ended sooner, than, than the previous year was maybe even more impressive because they didn't have that superstar. All right. due respect to Kate Reese, who, you know, all and Sam Thomas, sure. yeah. and Sam yeah. Thomas and, and a number of other players, Arian McDonald was otherworldly and, and yeah. they, they lost her and didn't really replace her. And they still uh, stayed in the top 25 throughout the season, despite some late season struggles. And part of that was because of Kate Reese's injury. So you, you bring them back, you bring in some top recruits. I think this is a top 10 team easy next season. Just as an aside, Shane, you know, if we were having this conversation, let, let's say we're sitting six years ago and we're talking about Arizona women's basketball. Could you have ever imagined that top 10 would ever be in your lingo? We, we had a Dia Barnes on the first uh, version of the show way back in the day with myself and, and Jeff Dean. And you would come in as a, as a guest host from time to time. We had her on when she was just starting out at Arizona and, and we, we were optimistic and, you know, she had a great attitude and, and, and was, you know, great with her, very generous with her time uh, with us. And she still is, which is great, even though she's had a lot more success now. But yeah, I think we all were like, okay, we'll, we'll see, you know, you harden alum. It's nice. Here we are. And, uh, you know, even without the final four appearance last season and the national and coming inches away from winning the whole thing, which is still amazing to me. It's just crazy to think how close they came. Even without that, the fact that they've made the tournament, just made the tournament two years in a row yeah. is incredible considering the state of this program before she came on board. So so it, it's fantastic. But now the bar has been raised. Expectations are higher. And I expect this team to be in the top 10 throughout next season. All right. Speaking of bar is raised, uh, baseball, uh, they lost to ASU on Tuesday night in the uh, in the road game. They play they play a couple of road games in addition to the three game home series that they'll have uh, later this month, I believe. So they're 21 and eight to start the season. We'll have, we'll have Daniel Susak on here shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that expectations for this team should be to host a second weekend regional, kind of like the sweet 16 for college baseball. Would you say right now that is a reasonable expectation for this team by yourself? So they would be in the top eight then. I think you would have to say top eight in order to host a super regional, unless Correct. there are some upsets. Correct. Uh, so, so yes. 
Uh, I'm, I'm going to sell the top eight. Cause I think that's tough. I, they're certainly capable of it. They did it last season. They're uh, as of this recording, they are number nine in, um, in RPI. They dropped a couple spots after the loss to ASU it was a very successful road trip. They went four and one, but you know, the loss to ASU definitely sours things, but they are projected. I'll tell you what though. They are projected by baseball America as of now to be the n- number five overall seat. So we'll see. It, it's certainly possible. Would I be disappointed if they weren't top eight? No, I, 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 they, they brought back a lot of talent, but they also lost quite a bit, in, including uh, uh, Jacob Berry, who you mentioned. But I, I think certainly getting, I mean, obviously getting to the regionals, and then I would say at least getting to a super regional, whether it's in Tucson okay. or somewhere else, would be the okay. baseline for this team. All right, so top 16, sweet 16. Yep. Just yeah. like we said about the men's basketball team at the start of the year. Essentially, right, sweet, yes. Yeah. Sweet 16, okay, fine. Uh, women's team, we said the same thing, sweet 16, fine. They made it to the round of 32. All right, so sweet 16 for baseball. Okay, fair. I can get on board with that. So I'll sell my own uh, my own right up there. All right, number five, uh, at the spring game where I believe you're going to try to be on Saturday. Unfortunately, I can't make it for football. Uh, the one player, assuming you go, uh, would be that you're most excited to see in person is T-Mac. Buy or sell? I, I would be lying if I, if I didn't buy that. Absolutely. Uh, and I think he's going to be such a luxury, especially, you know, when we talk about the offensive line and the question marks there, I think two ways you can, uh, it's sort of like, you know, great three point shooting can bust the zone defense in basketball. One way to, uh, you know, to overcome uh, a pass rush when you don't have a great offensive line, number one, to have a mobile quarterback and hopefully mm-hmm. Jaden Delora will fit that description. I'm guess we're overseeing he's going to be the starter, uh, but whoever starts a quarterback is going to be going to be a mobile quarterback. Come on, quarterback. Shane. He's not, unless he's I'm hurt. trying, uh, I'm right. just, I'm just saying, I, I right. just, you know, I want to assume anything, but yeah, obviously we expect that to happen. So that's number one, having a mobile quarterback who can elude defenders. And number two, just having a wide receiver that you can you know, sort of just, you know, you know, take a, take your drop, three-step drop, chuck the ball up with your eyes closed, and, and 50% of the time he's going to come down with the ball. And having that kind of guy is a luxury. I'm not suggesting that the Jaden Bloor do that. I'm just saying that when you have that those kinds of receivers, and, you know, and, and it goes way beyond uh, T-Mac, that, you know, I think the Arizona's receiving uh, receiver room is, is loaded. And that includes the tight end, uh, Keon Burnett. I, I think that definitely helps to to – combat a subpar offensive line, which I think Arizona will have again this season. But yeah, I, I will, I'll, I will admit that, that if I, if I'm able to get, get down there, I'll be disappointed if T-Mac doesn't make at least one circus catch. I think he will. If I was going down Shane, I would sell this because there's one player that I'm really excited to watch in, in an Arizona uniform and T-Mac is one of them, but Jaden Delora is the one. And that's nothing against any other quarterback on the roster. No, it would be right up there in two or three, right? With, with T-Mac, Kean Burnett, his high school teammates. I just really want to see what Delora uh, looks like in, in an Arizona uniform. I mean, I was really impressed watching him at Washington State for the last two years. Yeah. And to have a quarterback of this caliber, I mean, let's be honest, this is uh, for Arizona, probably outside of Khalil Tate a few years ago, we are not used to having a really notable quarterback and nothing against Anu Solomon, who, you know, came in and started as a freshman. But you think about it. I mean, outside of maybe Matt Scott, um, who was, you know, had some experience behind Nick Foles. I mean, Arizona and Tate, Arizona hasn't had a quarterback probably this good on the roster 
um, with college football experience, with experience in, right. in a long time. Yeah. In a long yeah. time. No, well, he's, he's going to be the most important player on the field for sure. Cause a quarterback always is, but in terms of just the, you know, like the most exciting, it's like, you know, with the Cardinals, you know, whether you had you know, Kurt Warner or Carson Palmer, Larry Fitzgerald in his prime was the guy you wanted to see. Right. Cause he, because he would just make some ridiculous catches. So right. kind of along the same lines, um, I feel bad because I feel like I'm putting so many expectations on this kid and he's never played a, a snap in college, but he seems like he's that good. And, they have so many other great receivers in terms of transfers and, and, and uh, freshmen coming in. It's I, I'm excited to see the offense. My only concern again is that offensive line. We're not going to learn much about the O-line in, in, during the spring game, but I think Arizona at least has a chance to have the tools to overcome a poor offensive line in ways they weren't able to last season. Well, we're going to find out from Yogi Roth coming up next. That was by or sell. Now, normally I would have a bonus question that I would throw Shane's way, but we're going to save that. For the final segment of the show. So uh, before we bring on our interviews, if you're watching the video, you'll notice that Shane is wearing the old cactus logo Arizona hat. You can get one of those at Just Sports, who is uh, very generous enough to give Shane and I some uh, Arizona University of Arizona um, paraphernalia that we can wear. Uh, you can swag. Also- the kids call swag. it swag. Yes. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm going throwback here. It's fine. Um, you can also buy your own at shopjustsports.com. And to get 10% off, just use the code Wildcat Country. Pretty easy. Just Wildcat Country, get 10% off at shopjustsports.com. And if you're in Tucson, check out uh, their A City location in Main Gate Square. So that's uh, check them out, Just Sports. Really appreciate working with them. And that was Buy or Sell presented by Ice Shaker. Coming up next, Yogi Roth from the Pac 12 Network followed by Daniel Susak, who is Arizona's Mr. Everything on the baseball team this year on Wildcat Country. What's up, Wildcat Country? Chris Krakowski here. Bear Dow, let's go. I wanted to introduce you to the newest sponsor of the Wildcat Country podcast. That's the Ice Shaker. So check this out. Keep your drinks hot. Keep your drinks cold. We got you covered. Snag one today. Use coupon code WildcatCountry at iShaker.com. Shane, we finally get to talk football again with our buddy, the lead analyst for Pac-12 Network and an all-around all great guy, Yogi Roth, joining us. Yogi, glad to have you once again. And uh, boy, since we've talked to you last, a lot of things have happened for this Arizona Wildcats football team. Heck, we have a quarterback now. Tell us about Jaden Delora and what kind of impact he's going to bring to the Arizona football program. Well, number one, thanks for having me on. I enjoy listening to you guys. It's in my, like, when, you, when you're talking football, I'm always listening to you. Appreciate, so I appreciate it. Appreciate uh, you having me on. Of course, of course. Um, and how exciting is it? Here we go, spring again, right? It seems like Jed and we were talking about Gronk yesterday, but it was a full year ago now that we headed into the spring game. And you're right, the team has changed faces, right? You'll see a graphic when we call the spring game of the amount of starts that Arizona's quarterbacks have this spring compared to last spring that were on the roster. If you remember, we really didn't have any. Last year, I'm sure Arizona fans are trying to forget that to a degree. But now you bring in a guy who's played a lot of football, Jaden Delora. And what I love about him, we've talked about it, is his off-platform ability. It sounded like he thrived doing that in their most recent night scrimmage they had last weekend. And I think that, combined with his been-there-before mentality, right? This guy walks into a locker room, isn't trying to win anybody over, doesn't need to try too hard. He just comes in and he's him, right? He's quiet, he's humble. But he's got a competitive streak that's impressive. Uh, I don't know if you saw, we just had him on the If Factory podcast, same one Scooby Wright was on last time we spoke. And he was awesome, just talking about where he came from, what drives him, and most importantly, why he came to Arizona. And I think when you look at the things they've asked him to do, 
which is under center, play action pass, all the things that Sean McVay talked about in his clinic when he was at Arizona, that Arizona and Jed Fish now want to do within the system. It's an area for him to grow, and he's been challenged. So I, I look forward to watching it play out. Uh, I think he's a star. I think, you know, when, when you think about that position, we've, I think we've talked about this analogy. Pete Carroll taught me this. He said, at the end of the day, if you're playing in the park and you have to pick a guy, go with the guy you'd pick in that situation. And Jaden Daniels easily would be one of those guys that we would pick. When you look at this conference and the quarterbacks, if you're in the playground, he's one of the first few quarterbacks that I think that anybody would, would choose to be on their roster. I know you didn't mean to say Yogi, but you just said Jaden Daniels, and, and we, and we oh, I wouldn't, geez, I wouldn't, thanks. our audience wouldn't for, forgive me if I if I didn't uh, if I didn't mention oh, that because he's an ASU guy. But and, no, Jaden Delora, we know, we know. Yeah, he, edit that for me if you can. I'm, I'm doing both games in the same day, so I my know. brain is it's kind of split. No, no, no worries. It's not, I've made worse mistakes on the show. And just for those who are listening and not watching, uh, Yogi's enjoying uh, some time outside in beautiful California, and that's why you hear the birds chirping. So, want to let people who aren't who are just listening know uh, know what that is. So. Yogi, you've you often or have you how often really have you seen a team come off a one win season with a head coach coming off his first ever season as a head coach recruit as well as Arizona has over the last several months? I don't know if it's ever happened. Right. I mean, I I can remember when Sark took over Washington and they didn't win a game. Johnny Nansen was there. I talked to him yesterday about that experience and coming in and just trying to inject energy into that program. And I think they won five games in their first year, something like that. And then they got it going and they were, you know, qualifying for bowl games every year after that. I, I think for here, what's unique is that I think they have one win in the last 24 games. Yeah. Right. It's not just like one win last year. Like it's been a minute, but. And that was against Cal, to, a, a COVID plague Cal team, no less that, that victory. Yeah. So when you, when you put that into context and then ask someone, whether it's a fan, whether it's an analyst, uh, whether it's somebody who's somewhere in the middle, we don't talk about their record because there's so many good things, so many impressive things that are happening. Whether it was one of the top recruiting classes in this league last year, whether it was bringing in stars and flipping from big schools like TMAC, uh, obviously doing extremely well in the transfer portal. We talked about Jaden Delora um, and a bunch of other players, or some of the mid year enrollee freshmen, like running back that they have, and Jonah Coleman, uh, or the offensive lineman they got out of Hawaii. And there's a lot of really impressive storylines. And I think the reality is, is that, you know, they had to upgrade their roster from a player perspective. You're going to see a lot of young guys. I don't know if all these young guys are going to translate to six, eight, 10 wins this year. They're still freshmen. And I just got back. I saw UCLA practice yesterday, but pretty much all upperclassmen, right? So you still have to play competitive teams, but yeah, you're right, man. I have not seen it. And it just goes to the power of Jed having a plan when he got there of how he wanted to build it, how he wanted to piece it together. And that plan, he really hasn't wavered from it, right? And it's been a blast to cover. And I think the people that are there, everybody I talk to, there, it's just so fun. And I think that is the thing that is sound recruiting. Chance to play, chance to go to the league, coached by guys who've been there, and you're going to have a great time. Imagine when he starts winning some games, how hell he'll be able to recruit at that point. Uh, Yogi, what, you're going to be out in the spring game uh, on Saturday in Tucson. Give me one or two newcomers on both sides of the ball you're most looking forward to seeing at that game. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, I mean, the obvious is T-Mac. I want to see him play. You know, I've seen him on YouTube, right, but I've never seen him in person. I want to see him. I want to see him play. I can't wait to watch him play. Uh, you've heard about the competition, of course, him and both corners and Stukes and Zero all spring long. It's the best thing that could have happened to him. 
you know, I, I remember when Larry Fitzgerald came in as a freshman to Pitt and maybe couldn't run the fastest, wasn't as strong, but man, he can go play the ball. So I want to go watch how he plays the ball. Uh, and then probably running back, you know, freshman running back, I'm interested in him. Uh, but this receiving core, right? They've, they've got three freshmen. I, I can't wait to see it. We're going to have another graphic of the size of that group, right? Welcoming back Najon Wright. He had the best catch in the shortened 2020 season that Arizona had all season. Love that guy. Yeah, sideline against SC on that drive at the end of the game. So I'd say that position group is what I'm most intrigued by. And this team needs explosive plays, right? They locked in it last year. I want to see that. And, yeah, I, I'm intrigued like everybody with Fafita. And, you know, probably the same names you guys are. But, but that's where I'll net out. Defensively, uh, Hunter Eccles is number one. And I remember when he came out of high school, when he signed at SC, the expectations they had. Um, and he hasn't become that guy yet. But now he's going to be in the Port Augustine, Chenanuosu role. Um, they call it the cat, I believe. I want to see him, right? He's the leader. He's, he's kind of become that guy, right? They lost a great leader in Anthony Pandy last year. So I'm probably most excited to watch him. Uh, and then Solomon, you know, transferred from Michigan. I'm excited to watch that group on the inside. Like in the front seven, you, you got to stop the run. Like, I think lazy opinions on this league is all about how the Pac-12 throws it all over the yard. Teams can run the rock. You got to stop the run. So those two guys in the front seven, I'm probably most intrigued with. Yogi, as you mentioned earlier, you have an interesting day on Saturday where you're calling the Arizona spring game and then ASUs. Describe, in your opinion, as you see it, kind of the trajectory of both programs. Arizona looks to be on the rise. ASU, not so much. I don't know about that. Like, you know, ASU last year won eight games to beat everybody in the south other than Utah. Right. Like if you take out all of the narrative, right. And, and the reality of that, right. The NCAA ongoing investigation and you look at it and then you look at the roster and, and this is what surprised me in my prep. I, I got off the phone uh, with their staff yesterday and, and I told coach Edwards, like, God, I look at the roster and I say, there's still talent here, right. It's not like um, you, know, you look at SC when they got hit with a bunch of sanctions and had like a roster of, you know, less than 50 scholarship players. Like that's not the case at ASU. So I think that the narrative around it versus the reality of the roster are a little bit different, right? Ladarius Henderson might be the best guard in the league, right? Quarterback-wise, yes, they've got to fill that hole. They bring in another freshman at running back that I, that I like. They bring in a big transfer from Wyoming who they really like. Receiver, they, they got to find out who's number two, but they've got talent, right? Elijah Badger being one of the breakout players they hope to see. Uh, offensive line, they bring in transfers like they've done in the past to fill some holes. So I, I, I can't say like, Arizona, I agree, is, is trending up. There's only one way to go. But I don't agree that ASU is like on this downward spiral when you take kind of the emotional narrative out and you look at it and you say, all right, well, let me look at the players. You know? So, so I can't wait That's to fair. watch it. And, no. then, and then what yeah. they went through. You know, like, I think last year was hard. I look at ASU this year. They don't have stars. They have no star, star power. But I've been around teams like that. Sometimes they're even tighter. So I don't think they're as talented hmm. as last year, man. But – from what Herm and a lot of players I've interviewed in advance of Saturday night on the Pac-12 networks is they said it's the tightest it's ever been there. This is so the we'll year. The, this is the year the streak is broken. Arizona's lost five in a row. We'll see, Eric. We'll I'm, see. I'm, I'm just going to say that. All right. Uh, Yogi, when it comes to expectations for Arizona fans, I know we haven't even seen the spring game yet. What is a realistic season goal? It's April. What should us fans be? What, what would constitute as a, is a good year? as of now, for Arizona football? Well, I think if you look at last year, right, and it's been talked about, I think, eight games. Well, this graphic, eight games went into the fourth quarter, one score games, right? Think about that, right? right. It, now, some yeah. ended up in blowouts, 
but that's the reality. And then if you look at like the quarterback carousel that they had and the injuries of that position, the lack of explosive plays and the, and the amount that they gave up on the defensive side, because they were so pressure heavy, you're like, wow, like all things considered, like this team was in some games. Right. And what I love most about last year, my biggest takeaway was that Jed Fish kept the players competing, right? Other than the Colorado game, which I call, right. And, and San Diego state game, which I called. So maybe I'm not the greatest of luck. Uh, the, the team was competing their tails off, right? Go watch the UCLA game, the Oregon game again. Like I got the Arizona state game pulled up right now on my laptop in my office. Like this team that they, they competed, right. As Jed said in his opening press conference, we're going to be a hard out. I think they continue to be that. I can't wait to see the first few games, right? Cause on one hand you're like, Oh yeah, I could see them kind of going undefeated. And then they, here they go, they, they play Oregon. And then the other hand you say, well, Daniel State was a top 25 team last year. They're opening up a brand new stadium. Leach mm-hmm. and Ole Miss are going to come in and move the ball. Like, I think you can go both ways. And I think that's how their season will be. I think it's going to come down to two or three snaps. And that's where I think Jaden Delora, like, I think he can buy you a score. I think he can buy you two to three decisions a game in critical moments, right? It's why they work red zone every single day in spring, situational football. I, I think he's the difference there, Jaden Delora. So I, I, I don't know, man. Like, I want to say a bowl game, but I don't want to put a ceiling on them. And I also know the reality of coaching, like in playing. It, it, two or three snaps and the games go the other way. And that happened to Arizona a few times last year. So, fans, what can you expect? I think another team that's going to be a tough out. And then we'll see how they develop. I mean, 45 new faces among the 85 scholarships will be on the field come training camp. I mean, that's like half the team, bro. Like, that's nuts when you think about it. So now Jed's got to gel that thing and bring it together with a bunch of young guys. won't be easy, but I think that this thing is heading only north, and I love them to watch them this year and, man, next year. You know, they're, they're building it in, in the way that Jed said he would, and I, I look forward to the trajectory, man. I think it's in a really healthy place. Last question for you, Yogi. We always appreciate your time. Biggest question mark on this team for me is the offensive line. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's fair, right? Um, and I don't know what we'll see on Saturday because it's going to be a split roster from my understanding. So we won't see like that gelled group. And I think in spring games, sometimes a takeaway is, ah, oh, the offensive line didn't look great because you've got starters on both teams. So we'll see how the rosters shake out. I think, yeah, they, they got to protect. But also like if they can run the ball a little bit, Jaden is so special and dynamic. I mean, just turn on any game from his career. The first one against Oregon State, I remember it like yesterday, two years ago, or last year, right, against Oregon State, where he had some miscues at the end of the half, came right back in the second half and led him to a big upset win. I, I remember calling that one. So I think that's probably the biggest question. I think the other one, we're so excited about these new playmakers. They got to make them, right? I, I got to see the explosive plays, like whether it's Keon Burnett at tight end. Like I can't wait to watch him and this receiving core. Like in the Pac-12, I think last year the average – winning team in conference game scored 32 points you got to score man like they lack explosive plays i've said that three times already right imagine how many times jed has said that other staff has said that and i think running the ball the play action game and allow them to do it but then guys are going to have to just win and i and i look forward to, to seeing that i can't wait to get to practice tomorrow it's so i'm flying in early i want to see when i want i want to see moments in practice that we might not see in a spring game with a split roster Yogi, thanks for the enthusiasm. Always great to talk to you. And I'll tell you what, for the first time in at least a few years, I'm stoked to watch this team on the field come September. Really, really excited 
And we know that uh, we'll talk to you, I'm sure, on Wildcat Country beforehand. But thank you, as always, for joining Shane and I. Yeah, you know what I love is that that sentiment is echoed by all the fans. And that's yeah. the coolest part about the rebuild. There's excitement around football, right? That, that's just, it, it's awesome that that community has rallied. And we knew they could, and Jed got it going. So can't wait to watch him and uh, Jaden Delora compete on Saturday. Nailed it. Before he- heading to the other school in the league. Yeah. Here with Dale Duncan, a very satisfied customer of Backcourt Marketing. Dale, can you tell us what Backcourt was able to do for your company? Well, they're taking me to the next level with helping me connect to new people for my business. They're helping me find new customers online. They meet with me monthly. They're listening to what I need, and they're really focused on helping me get there. Excellent. Well, Dale, we appreciate your time. If you know someone who needs social media help, refer them to Backcourt Marketing and get rewarded. Or if you need social media assistance yourself, make sure to check out backcourtmarketing.com. Shane, we haven't had a chance to have a baseball player on the program yet this season, but this is a pretty good one to start the train. Daniel Susak, who was just named to the Golden Spikes Award midseason watch list, and his numbers this season thus far are like a video game, or as I like to think, Barry Bonds in his prime. I mean, when you're putting up an OPS on base plus slugging Eric, over Eric, 11 Eric, Eric, Bar- Barry Bonds is an issue guy. We don't talk about him. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Still, I'm just saying. When you see an OPS of 1,100 plus, that's pretty darn good. And he is likely a first round pick in this summer's MLB draft. Daniel, thanks for joining us uh, here on Wildcat Country. First of all, just talk about the transition between uh, last year's team and then this year's squad with Chip Hale. What's it like to to play for a guy who has MLB managerial experience? Yeah, I think it brings a lot of uh, experience, not only to the baseball field, but mostly to the uh, locker room and clubhouse, uh, you know, atmosphere. The biggest thing he does is I think he gets on a more personal level with every single player from top to bottom of the roster. You wouldn't know who's who when you walk into the locker room uh, based off the coaching staff. They're always together as a coaching staff. You know, before practice, I wouldn't say they're really in their office. They're usually in the locker room, you know, hanging out with the players, saying what's up. And I think just as a whole staff, very involved, um, very on their own time. Um, they're always there for you. If you call them at 12 o'clock at night and say, I want to go hit, they'll open up the cages for you, whatever they have to. Yeah, Daniel, take me through that process. You know, when Jay Johnson leaves for LSU, you and your teammates have to wait a while to learn who your next head coach is going to be. Chip Hale gets the job. Just take me through what was going through your mind during that time. Were you always intending to stay at Arizona or were you sort of taking a wait and see approach? Yeah. So I never entered myself in the portal. Uh, for me, I never wanted to. Arizona is where I wanted to be. It's where I came. And we had a great group of guys. And I knew if we kept that nucleus together, I think it didn't really matter who was going to be here. We were going to work together as a team. Obviously, we got the right leader and the right guy for us. But a lot of the team has to do with the players as well. And I think our team had a great chemistry. Obviously, went to Omaha. Didn't do how we wanted to. But you bring a lot of that back. And I think that's a good, you know, base to, you know, work off of. And getting the right guys back obviously working towards it again. I think everything's kind of starting to fall into place how we wanted it to. And how last year went, I mean, we won the Pac-12 when I was my freshman year. We went to Omaha. Why would I really want to leave here? Um, There was nothing really anywhere else that offered me anything better. And I never thought about going anywhere else. Arizona's where I wanted to be. Love it. And I know on an individual level, Daniel, you were an everyday catcher as a freshman last year, the Pac-12 freshman of the year, consensus All-American. Just on an individual level, and I know the team is off to a great start, just coming off a four and one road trip, but on an individual level, where do you go from there? Like what kind of goals have you set for yourself this season? Yeah. I mean, I've never been a goal setter for myself in terms of 
you know, numbers or anything. For me, it's just to go win every day. I'd say my family is more that way. You know, my brothers will have competitions with me. Obviously, having both my brothers play collegiate baseball as well. But, I mean, I just go out there every day, and I'm 0 for 0 every day. So, just have the best game every day, not the best season. Uh, I think if you get too worried about the season, things just start to spiral one way or another. Um, so, if you just take every at-bat like you're 0 for 0, I think that's the best mindset. For those of our audience who haven't seen you play, describe your game as compared to maybe a current or former major league player. How do you, who do you kind of pattern yourself after? Um, I don't know. I don't really watch a game and go, you know, I want to play, I'd say to the exact way somebody else does. My favorite player growing up and still has always been Paul Goldschmidt. Hmm. I just always liked the way he played. He was a, you know, quiet guy. Uh, You've, if you didn't watch baseball, you probably wouldn't know who he was, but he's always a top 10, top five player in there. And I think that's just, you know, a testament to himself. He doesn't talk about himself off the field. He just does his work. Uh, he's a good teammate. And I think if I was to describe myself to somebody, I'd say how I play is nowhere near who I am off the field. I'd say I'm kind of a more quiet person off the field, uh, maybe different in the locker room, but off the field, a little bit more quiet. But I think on the field, I can get pretty rowdy at times. Um, almost too too competitive at times. I think that's football that comes out of me. Uh, I'd talk a lot more in football than baseball, but sometimes it'll come out in baseball as well. Well, a lot of people, just real quick, Eric. A lot of people don't know you were a dual threat quarterback in uh, in high school as well. And 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 so I don't know about I don't know about dual threat. I just well, you were listed you were listed as one by rivals, so I'm I'm going to yeah. give you that. I'm gonna give I, you I didn't that. run the ball too much. If I was three yards away from the end zone, I'd run the ball. Fair enough. But all right, so, so you talked about having that big personality in the locker room. Who else uh, inside your team is are the big personalities, the leaders in that clubhouse? Um, I mean, you got a little bit of both leaders and big personalities. Um, I think another great one is Tanner Otremo. That's a little bit of both. But I think the two biggest personalities on the team, in terms of dry humor, is Garrett Irvin. I think the funniest guy on the team is Jonathan Guardardo, though. I think those two, when they get at it together, might be the funniest thing I've seen. Could you could you give us an example? Do you think you can say that on 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 the on on the like, recording? It's hard to describe Garrett Irvin's like his sort of humor. Like it's too dry to like describe. If I said it, it wouldn't be funny. If I said it, but if okay. he says it, it's funny. You call y'all call him Gary? Yeah, I just call him hashtag just for hashtag. Oh, hashtag Gary. Gary, perfect. Yeah, you know. Uh, we had Coach Hale on, on the show before the season started, and we know he's an extremely competitive guy, and is, he's as diehard a Wildcat as anyone you'll meet, obviously. Yep. Give us a little insight into his personality. Why, why do guys like playing for him so much? I like playing for him a lot because he's very high energy. Um, if you know my family, um, ADD is the wrong term, but it's the right term. They just <laughs> They never stop, always, and I think – Coach Hale's kind of like that. He always wants to do something, wants to get better every day. Uh, he never gets bored. He doesn't want to be bored. He wants to keep going. That's just kind of how I am. Uh, if you talk to me, you'd probably think I'm more of a calm guy, but I'm the same way. I want to keep doing stuff all day. I get bored quick. Like when we have an off day, you think, you know, as an athlete, you want to take that day to do nothing, but you take two hours and you get bored. You go, I want to go work out. I want to do something. And I think we share that um, as people that in terms of, he wants to do something all the time. If he's not doing something baseball, he wants to do something else competitive. Like I want to go golf. I want to do something. I want to beat somebody at something. You know, and you guys, like I mentioned, are coming off a successful four and one road trip, but I'm sure that that loss at ASU didn't sit well with you. And especially with coach Hale, uh, does he get you guys to take that rivalry personally? And are you already looking forward to 
facing the Sun Devils down in, down your way in a couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, I take every game personally in the Pac-12. I think everybody's our rival. I think it's always been that way. Um, obviously, you know, they may get more chippy than other teams, but that's baseball. Some teams, you know, do it more than others. I think if you just handle it on the field, the chipping goes away. I think that's every team. If you keep teams in the game, they'll chip more. You put them away, they'll stop chipping. So I think if we handle our business, it'll go away. If not, then we'll have to keep dealing with it. What do you think makes this team unique among the other teams that you have faced? I mean, you guys obviously it looks like you guys are having more fun from what I've seen than some of your opponents. Would you say that's kind of characteristic? You think that's fair to say? Yeah, I'd say fun is a good term. I would say our chemistry is really high. I think everybody's on the same page. So when I'd say it's more a team effort than personal, if somebody else hits a home run, you're more excited for them than you would be if you yourself hit one. And I think that's great as a team to have. I think that's more important than talent on a roster. You look at some great teams in college baseball, like, I don't know, there's a lot of teams in there. Like even Virginia last year, they were a three seed in a regional and all of a sudden they're in Omaha and maybe they're not as talented as South Carolina, whose regional they were in, but they had better chemistry. And baseball is a sport where it matters a lot more than maybe other sports. Even, I mean, Kansas was talented, but out of high school, I think I was looking at somebody posted their highest ranked recruited player was like 70th in the country out of high school. And they were national champions and Kentucky's got five, five stars on the lineup. So maybe not all about talent all the time. I'm impressed. You know, your uh, you know, your other sports. Well done. Oh yeah. Uh, Daniel, what are, what are you th- your thoughts on Tucson? Uh, is there any particular spot, any restaurants you enjoy visiting when uh, time allows you to do so? Tucson's grown on me. Um, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm not lying, when I first came, I was like, man, what am I going to do here? It's an acquired so, taste. I'll, I'll yeah. admit. At first, you're like, what am I going to do? And then when you're playing baseball, you're like, man, I don't really have time to do anything even if I wanted to. Um, so I like it. I mean, the weather's great all the time. Even when it's 110 here, it's better than 110 in Phoenix. It just feels better here. Um, I would say my favorite restaurant, I got a couple. I mean, I don't want to sound like that guy, but Fleming's is really good. I know that's not just a Tucson thing, but, uh, um, North is good. North Italia. Um, let's think I like, I mean, illegal, the pizza there, illegal, illegal pizza solid, but nice. I mean, there you go. Well, you got, that's a fantastic list. Yeah, no, we're good. We're good. Yeah. Last question for you. And, you know, you mentioned Paul Goldschmidt uh, back when I was in uh, TV news media up in Phoenix, I got to chat with him uh, several times and he always loved the non-baseball questions. Cause you know, you get the same questions every day and yeah. he lit up when you asked him about something else. So I'll ask you something else, something non-baseball. We always like to ask, you know, about some, a skill or a hobby or something away from the game that you like, or that something that you do, what consumes your time just for fun when you're not playing baseball? competitive so something with sports uh when i was good at golf i got into golf but i took some time off i tried to play again i went right back to stage one so i just decided not to pick it up again yet i'd say bowling something i've always been good at have my own ball there and then basketball i could pick up pretty quick as well so basically when you're not playing sports you're playing sports yeah just different ones that's fair that's fair and my last question for you so you guys have had a pretty darn good athletic department environment recently you know the, the men's basketball women's basketball football's on the way up softball obviously going through a rough patch but it's been pretty consistent just you know do you go and watch when on your days off or maybe in the fall do you go and watch some of the football games basketball and are you tight with any of the other players uh in the athletic department 
So I would say I've been to three football games um, as of this year because we didn't go to any last year because of COVID. Sure. Basketball was probably my most I've been to. I probably went to about eight of those games. I'd get in with general admission and I'd probably try to sneak closer to the court until somebody kicked me out of my seat. Nice. Um, softball, I went to a couple. I'd say we know softball the best because in our cul-de-sac, Dawson Nets is our neighbor and obviously oh, yeah. his sister. So I think they're always around. Um, so, yeah, I'd say those three sports the most. Um, I know one golfer. That's about it, though. Not too bad. At least you're uh, out supporting the other programs, and we appreciate that. You've been uh, a star for the baseball team. We expect, you know, or look forward to seeing some great things the rest of the season and, and all the best going forward. Thanks for uh, joining Shane and I. Yep, thank you for having me. Well, very glad to have both Yogi and uh, and Daniel Susak on with us. That's pretty awesome to talk to both them. Big show, Shane. Uh, let's talk with Yogi first of all. I know he went on a little bit longer about about ASU being you know being optimistic about ASU and you know they're they're not as down. I'm sorry, Yogi. ASU's down. Their momentum has stalled. Arizona is a rocket ship right now. ASU is not. It's just the opposite. Arizona's going to win that game in November. I'm telling you that right now. I'm going to I'm going to beat that drum unless injuries tear up this roster before that. That's what never happen. About that. No. Uh, well, and, and look, Yogi is always the optimist, so he's always going to mm-hmm. say good things about teams. But I, I see his point. You know, and Doug Haller with the Athletic even noted that ASU's actually done a decent job of, of filling in their roster with. But there's just a lot of unknowns. So there's there's a lot of turnover. Um, and certainly it looks like last year was their window to win the South and they, and they didn't do it. But I think, well, certainly, I mean, this is not a bold prediction. I think ASU and U of A are going to be a lot more even in terms of uh, talent yes. and record yes. this, this season. I don't know who's going to be better. I could see it as a situation similar to 2008 where there's a, a, a bowl game on the line. You know, the winner in 08 went to the Las Vegas Bowl. Maybe that's the kind of situation that, and that was a game where Arizona broke its, um, my favorite my favorite territorial cup game i've ever been to it was that game in 2008 because it was like a decade of frustration just because that was their first bowl game in in a decade that's right it might be a similar situation in tucson this year so uh always good to talk to yogi we'll see what he has to say uh closer to football season when we have him back on all right so daniel susak came on i was very impressed by him just a very well-spoken kid I mean, the kid can rake. If you look at his numbers, hitting over 400, uh, as I said, video game numbers. Don't want to use the Barry Bonds comparison. I totally forgot about that. ASU that's okay. That's a, well, but, most but, people have, so that's okay. Really impressive kid. And, and a lot, you know, somebody, if you're not necessarily a big college baseball fan, somebody to pay attention to just as you, you flip on Pac-12 network, you watch these games, you're like, I got to see this kid play. He's legit. Baseball America has him as the number one catcher in the country for col- and the wow. college level. So yeah, he, he is legit. He's, he's, if he hadn't stayed, we, we, our discussion about Arizona and possibly hosting a super regional could be different. You know, one player doesn't make maybe as big a difference on, in baseball as it does in, in basketball, but it was a huge get in the fact that he never thought about leaving. And again, I, I love the fact that, you know, that Paul Goldschmidt's his favorite guy because Paul Goldschmidt was always one of my favorites because he was just, he would just go on the field, conduct his business like a professional. And he was a great guy to talk to again about non-baseball stuff. When it came to baseball, he was kind of robotic, so he wasn't a great interview. But uh, I, I, I dig that about Daniel Susak. We, we definitely uh, both love Goldie. I was sad when the Dimebacks uh, traded him. But uh, huge get. Just the fact that, that he wanted to stay was probably the biggest win for Chip Hale to this absolutely. point. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So great having them on. Should be interesting. Uh, softball, we didn't touch on this week. They, they finally got a win 
but it's been a rough go. So we'll just, we'll kind of pass. Let, let me just, let me just say, yeah. Eric, it, yeah. people calling for Caitlin Lowe to be fired. And there are people on there. Yes, there are, are ridiculous. Absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous. Look, I know Arizona got to the college world series, the women's college world series last year. This program under Mike Andrea wasn't as dominant over the last maybe decade or so as it had been previously. Okay. So it's not like she took over a, a number one program. And it's going to take a while for her to get her players in there. She's a, you know, she's a different coach. I think she's going to do great. Give it a little more time. I know we Arizona fans are spoiled and expect them to be in a college world series every single year because they did that for a long time. I think Caitlin Lowe is going to be just fine this year. They don't, they don't have a top pitcher. They don't have a top 10 national pitcher or anything close to it. And that's, you can't win. You can't go very far in college or college softball without that. Once they get one of those and I expect them, I expect Caitlin Lowe will sooner rather than later, they'll be right up where they were. The hitting's there. The pitching just hasn't been, it'll come around, but okay. Let, let's show a little bit of patience and a little bit of intelligence about that, please. Okay. Fair. I, I am not one of those calling for Caitlin Lowe's head. I was no, you're not, but some it. people are. And it, there it's are ridiculous. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Uh, first of all, before we get into our, our last topic here, I uh, want to thank our friends, Backcourt Marketing. Uh, they are our main sponsor for Wildcat Country. Check them out, backcourtmarketing.com. And as I say every week, uh, if you know of a small business that needs some social media help, and we all know that there are plenty of people and businesses that need social media help, yours, yours truly included uh, in terms of just my individual self, uh, check out backcourtmarketing.com. Get in touch with them, and they can reward you if you refer them a client. So check them out. Okay, Shane, we're going to go on to a uh, our bonus buy or sell question. This is like a, a handful of questions rolled into one. I just want you to answer this honestly. I'm very nervous about this one, Eric, because you've really built this one up. So uh, that last season, uh, in fall of 21, who was the best college football team that you watched? Last season? Uh, yeah. It had to be Georgia. All season. From from game one to the, the final, with the exception game. of the one of the SEC championship game, yeah, I think beginning to end they were the most dominant team. Yeah, okay, and they won the whole so thing. So I would agree. I thought Georgia was the best team, and so college football generally rewards the team that plays the best all season, right? You know, for yep. the most part, yep. that team is going to win the national championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is the best college basketball team that you watched all season? Uh, if it's not Arizona, and I would certainly put Arizona up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have to go with Gonzaga. I know it's right. a it's a simple answer, but it probably the Zags. They were the most dominant team, and they played a lot of great teams early in the season. So, uh, how far did those two teams go again in the NCAA tournament? They both eliminated in, in the, the round of sixteen. And uh, where would you have put Kansas as far as like in your personal rankings as far as the best teams that you saw all year? I would have put I would have I would have put them where I still have them, which is borderline top ten. You know, seven or eight somewhere in that category. Yeah. So the overall point of this is. I want to pose the question that college football is far superior college football. The college football playoff is far superior in my opinion to determining a real deserved champion of the sport as compared to the NCAA tournament. It's not as fun for the public who can't fill out brackets and such, but I would say that the college football playoff crowns a true national champion that deserves it. Whereas the whereas the NCAA tournament can be a crapshoot. Do you buy or sell that? Buy, yes, I, I agree with with the sentiment. Now, I, certainly not saying Kansas didn't earn it because they right, beat they, whoever, who, they yep. beat who was ever in front of them, and that's all they can do. But they did have a like I post on Twitter, they did have a charmed path yes. in a number of ways with teams that are not that good. Villanova had a big injury. Uh, in North Carolina had the was a, a, the attack of the floorboard late in that game. And in North Carolina, I mean, was good. They were playing great, but they were still an eight seed. 
So, yes, I get your point uh, that certainly things are narrowed down a bit more. If, if the NCAA tournament wanted was more interested, was interested more in highlighting those top teams and rewarding them more, they, we'd have more buys, even though it'd be kind of subjective because you still have a selection committee making those decisions on who gets a buy and how many buys and who doesn't. I think the NCAA basketball tournament, Eric, is a, I kind of think of it as a, like a poker tournament. So in any given poker tournament, anything can happen. You can play your absolute best and still lose. Uh, or you could just have an off an offhand and still lose. Same thing in college basketball. You could be the best, like you could be the best player at the table at the poker table, and you still might get ousted before you get to the final table and win the whole thing. Same thing in, in college basketball. You have a bad half, you have some bad breaks, you can run into a team that's hot, and 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 it, it, you're you're out of luck. But over the course of a number of tournaments, like poker tournaments uh, in this case, a number of poker tournaments, the top players are going to eventually keep rising to the top more often than the other players do. They're going to make more final tables. They're going to win more tournaments. It's the same in the men's basketball side. I think you really, to to, um, evaluate college basketball, you have to look over the course of more than one season. You have to look over five seasons or 10 seasons. You look at Arizona from... 88 to, to 01, four final fours, two national championship game appearances and a national title. They were an elite program. Yes. Uh, if you just look at 1992 or 1993, where they lost to a 14 seed and a 15 seed in the first round, they weren't in 90, but it sort of evens out in 97. They weren't the best team in the country, not by a long shot. They won the whole thing. So it evens out over time. Now, is it fair to the players who were right, who were there at, at that moment? No. But over the course of time, these things usually even out. And if Arizona and Gonzaga and these other teams who didn't win at all this year continue to be great and continue to get one seeds and two seeds, eventually they'll get those final fours and they'll get those national titles. Okay, great. With that said, the, the, the point stands clear. The March Madness is fun. We can all agree it's fun to watch. It's great when Arizona's involved. But you just said it right there, Shane. Uh, the best team didn't win this year. Yeah. Uh, and in 97, when Arizona won, uh, they weren't the best team all season from start no, to finish. No. Kansas was the best team that season. Arizona beat them. And, and Gonzaga and Arizona, in my opinion, and yours, were the best teams all season. And they were knocked out in the Sweet 16, just like Kansas in 97. So my my last question with this, when you look at Kansas's path of Creighton, Providence, I mean, after the second round, so when whoever they played in the first round, whatever team that was, and they played Creighton, Providence, Miami, Villanova, North Carolina. Villanova was the two seed. No one else was higher than an eight. Well, Villanova, uh, Villanova, Providence, yeah, Villanova Providence was a, two was seed, a right? four. Yeah, and right, Providence right, right. was a four. I'm sorry. But as a, they played a two of four, yeah. uh, an eight, a 10, another eight. I, mean, I think it was a nine. And yeah. I mean, they had a dream schedule. If you, if you no. just knowing everything that happened, if you would put Arizona and Kansas's place, would we be celebrating a national championship today, in your opinion? It's so hard to say, and I don't want to avoid the question, but it's so hard to say because I think, I do think Kansas was better in terms of experience. You know, adding, um, and I know we don't want to mention Remy Martin, but you know, adding that him as a, a, a you know as, as a super senior was, was huge, um, and having that experience was massive. It's one of the reasons why I picked Villanova to get to the Final Four, and I think if Villanova was healthy. They probably would have beaten Kansas. I know it wasn't close from the start, but like you said last week, Villanova had no bench. And I stuck right. with Nova because they were my pick and sure. I had them in, in your pool and I wanted yep. to win some money and I did. That's okay. But as what Arizona beaten all those teams, I haven't examined the matchups closely enough. Uh, certainly, I think that they it would have been more much more likely they would have gotten there, but no one's immune to an upset. I mean, I Gonzaga was a huge favorite over Arkansas and Arkansas beat Gonzaga, as opposed to, you know, most, a lot of people thought Houston was going to beat Arizona. So the tournament is such a crapshoot. It's not, I would not go as far as to say it's unfair 
but it is unforgiving. It is the most unforgiving format in all of sports. Yes. Arizona also will have something next year that they did not have this year, regardless of, of which players stick around and which not they will, or which don't, they will have some experience, which Casey Jacobson talked about with us several weeks ago, mm -hmm. Arizona was, it was not a tournament tested team at all. They hadn't basically none of their guys had been and really played heavy minutes in the tournament guys like Kerr and Dale and Terry, assuming he comes back and Larson, uh, you know, Umar Balo now has experience if Coloco comes back. I mean, these are guys that next year, you're not going to want to face them, regardless of how they do during the regular season. You're not going to want to face them in March because they get it now. It's very rare to see a team like uh, Kentucky with Anthony Davis and a bunch of freshmen who go in and win, you know, the, the, the title that quickly. There's always usually you need to have that veteran presence. Arizona really didn't have it this year. Let us hope that 2023 is the year we have all been waiting for. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's important for Arizona to add a, at least one senior transfer, but preferably someone who has that tournament experience. Yep. All due respect to Justin Kyer, great guy, great leader, didn't have that experience at Georgia, nope. didn't bring that with him. They need they need one of those guys, especially come tournament time, to tell those other guys, hey, look, forget about last year. I, I It's tough to navigate these games, but take it one game at a time and just sort of because I, I really think it doesn't. It comes down to players and not coaches that time of year, you know. And and having that that experience, whether it was a guy who won a championship or even a guy who just played a couple tournament games and hopefully won a couple tournament games, I think that's a necessity. And I think that's what Tommy Lloyd is looking to round out his class with, as opposed to more high school guys. Next week on Wildcat Country, we will recap the spring game and talk about all the other good news that I'm sure will happen between now and then. You never know when it comes to University of Arizona athletics. Since Shane and I have started this show, what, uh, in August of 2020, there's been so many twists and turns that we never have not had anything to talk about. It's been crazy. I want to thank Yogi Roth and Daniel Susak once again. For Shane Dale, I am Eric Cohen. As always, bear down. Bear down.